Springs. Nearly 500,000 people. Olympic City, USA. Garden of the Gods. Pikes Peak. It's a growing city. Our local government has a lot of employees. What exactly do they do? How does it impact my life? This is where you find out. Behind the Springs, an inside look at your local government. There are a lot of reasons that people call 911. They're victims of a crime, their house is on fire, they're having a medical emergency. Those are fairly straightforward in that our dispatch center knows who needs to respond and help. But oftentimes people are in crisis and are not sure exactly what kind of assistance they need. Many of these calls involved mental health issues and a few years ago our city decided to respond to these calls in a unique way. I have three guests on today's episode who are joining me. We have Sergeant Eric Frederick from the Colorado Springs Police Department, Lieutenant Andrew Cooper from the Colorado Springs Fire Department, and we have Allie Briggs, who is with Aspen Points. And we want to thank you all for being here. Thanks for your time. Um, before we talk about the collaboration between your organizations, if you don't mind, I know I introduced you, but if you could introduce yourselves once again and tell us a little bit about what you do um, and what your role is um, in CRT, which is the crisis re- or community response team, is that correct? Um, Community response team, and it's called CRT, and kind of talk about um, what you and and your role and how you got involved. So maybe we can start with you, Allie. Sure. My name is Allie Briggs. I am a clinical program manager with Aspen Point, which is a community mental health center. We fulfill the role of clinician on the community response team. So we address the mental health needs directly. We meet with the clients who are struggling with crisis and assess whatever their needs may be. If they need additional resources, we're there to provide those resources. If they need additional help in that moment, we're there to make those decisions as well. Okay. Great. Next I'm Andrew up. Cooper. I'm Lieutenant of Community and Public Health, which is a division of the fire department um, and the immediate supervisor for the fire department side of CRT. And obviously the paramedics that are on there are to address the physical needs of the individuals that we're running on to make sure that we're meeting not only their behavioral health needs, but their physical needs as well. So, uh, and a lot of times both those things are happening at once. Absolutely. Correct? Okay. I'm Eric Frederick. I'm the sergeant with the police department who's in charge of the community response team. And the police officers are there typically to be chauffeurs and drive, and then also to make sure that the scenes are safe. They're typically the first people to talk with the client to make sure that uh, the needs are assessed and build rapport. And then they turn the time over to the other two on the team to make sure that the mental health needs are met. So tell me how many folks are on this team. It sounds like a big team. It's not just the three of you, correct? How many folks are are part of this in each of your areas? So we have three active teams currently running, and each of those teams are comprised of a police officer, a a fire paramedic, and a a behavioral health clinician. Okay. So we have nine active participants and then we have a fourth unit hopefully we'll be starting on October 4th. And are all those teams quote on or working at the same time? No. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, typically it's we do seven days a week. Okay. And basically from 8 a.m. until midnight. Okay. So the teams overlap and stagger a bit to hit the peak times of calls for service. So people may be listening and saying, that's great. I'm not in crisis. What does this have to do with me? But this community response team, can you t- can one of you talk about how it benefits the community as a whole and I guess our, our dispatch as a whole and how we handle emergency calls? Sure, I'll touch on that for a sec. Um, I think the first thing to recognize is that you may not be in crisis, but there are other benefits that kind of come from that. And the first thing is we always want to make sure that we're addressing the individual um, and then with the individuals, there's the surrounding people around them. So the families that are affected and the friends and all of the other uh, people that we come in contact with. Um, and then outside of that, we start to look at whether or not we're going to be able to um, properly get somebody into the proper stream of care. And when we're doing that, we're freeing up other resources. So the CRT team is able to respond to things and maybe potentially put the other fire officers, or patrol officers back into service or fire units back into service. And that allows them to be available for potentially your crisis. Mm-hmm. Other calls that are coming in all the time. Right. Um, so tell us, can you give some examples um, Sergeant Frederick about, you know, some, give me an example of someone who would be the perfect candidate or patient that the community response team would come to and respond. The biggest thing is somebody who is suffering some, from some type of mental illness or health concern that maybe is not diagnosed. Okay. And so the family calls to say, Hey, my father, my relative, my good friend is suffering from some depression or thoughts of suicide and we could go out there make sure that everything is safe the clinician does the evaluation and gets them the help they need whether that's an emplacement or safety plan with the person but this frees up the officers and paramedics to go to calls where it's a fire or it's somewhere where you need an officer with a gun. So So before this, they were just responding, just a police officer or a firefighter would show up to a situation like this, and then what would happen? Typically it's 911, sorry. Okay. Um, And and for some reason, society has said, police, you go handle all these calls for service and try to figure out who's best to shunt it off to. Um, So this team came up back in 2014, and Lieutenant Cooper knows a lot more about that as he was part of this stuff before I got on involved. But yeah, the, the whole goal is to get people the resources that they need at the time and not wait mm-hmm. and not hand Put them it off, off right, right. and say, hey, go get help on your own time. It's to bring the help right then and there and be able to address it immediately. Can you give us a little bit of history of how this came to be? Well, one of the things to keep in mind is before this team started, um, so either a police officer or a fire department would show up and we would take those individuals that were suffering from some sort of acute crisis. They would go to the emergency room about 98, 99 percent of the time. Um, And currently we're uh, working at a a rate of about 60 to 65 percent of the people are now able to stay in their houses and they don't have to be transported somewhere else. Because that's not really what they need. Absolutely, right? So what was happening in the past is if they did go to the emergency room, now we recognize the emergency room's the perfect place to go if if you've been impaled or you're having a heart attack or you're involved in a car accident. But it's not always the best resource for you when you're um, suffering from some sort of behavioral health crisis. 
Um, and many times they would end up spending significant amount of time in that emergency room and not really getting the follow-up or the referral care that they need for further treatment down the road. It would be hours or days or even longer until they saw a mental health professional. Would that is that right, Allie? Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Another thing that the police officers um, were known to do is to scoop these people up who were struggling and bring them to Aspen Point's Crisis Walk-In Center. So that option is still available, but what we've done with CRT is put one of those clinicians, a crisis clinician, in the vehicle to respond to their home. So now, if they still need to go and speak with somebody at length, we can take them to the crisis walk-in center. If they need immediate attention and it's acute enough that we need to place them inpatient for psychiatric hospitalization we can do we can do all of that bypassing aspen points walk-in center or the hospital that um, lieutenant cooper was referring to and we just deliver the services to their home mm-hmm. and so those places were both clogged up so to speak right Very backlogged so. and um unnecessarily and it wasn't helping the patient right I mean I want to focus on this obviously helps free up officers and firefighters to do your jobs that are very critical um, but focusing on the patient they're getting what they need right away they are okay they are another fantastic thing and I, I didn't realize it was going to be such a hit until we did it was having an unmarked vehicle so when they need to be transported when they have to go to the hospital for whatever reason or we take them to the walk-in center or um, or wherever they need to go we don't transport them in a marked police vehicle or in an ambulance they're in an unmarked vehicle and it's as private and secure as it can be. Right. So the whole neighborhood doesn't know what's right. happening and that sort of thing. Right. And Jen, um, along with that, uh, we found that when we were transporting someone for a mental health component, as Lieutenant Cooper said, they go to the hospital and the hospital isn't the best equipped for that. So typically what would happen is these clients would get released within an hour or two and then go straight back to the home and then call again the police for they're, they're back and they're still having a problem. So getting them to the correct people really helps the client and helps us in the meantime because we don't have to keep repeating and going back and back and wasting time. And statistically, have you seen those repeat 911 calls go down? I don't know if it's it's For probably sure. not possible to track because exactly because it's, you don't. It's difficult to track right. them. If we do see somebody, though, we do have uh, the history that's associated with them, and we have the clinicians, and they're probably going to be tied into services that are already associated with us, so we're able to refer back to what they've gotten in the past and what we can do for them into the future. Okay, and what? And let's talk about, too, just the collaboration that this involves. Since you were in at the beginning, um, you know, was it difficult to get police and fire, and you do different things, and right. uh, mental health professionals all on the same page and say... So it's not just the police and fire aspect of it, obviously this is a collaborative that's a citywide kind of thing because what we needed to do initially, and this was in 2014, we needed to get all of the community partners together to say, if we were going to try to do something like this, who would have to be involved?
involved, what would that process look like and what type of clearances would have to take place? Because one of the things that we do is rather than taking somebody to the emergency room, we'll take them directly to a behavioral health hospital. And normally what happens in between there is there's a medical clearance that takes place, right? So people, the behavioral health hospital wants to make sure that this person is physically sound to be at their facility. So we would take them to the emergency room and they'd sit there for hours to just get a medical clearance. Well, now that we're able to have a paramedic that's actually on the unit, we do those field clearances actually on the unit real time and we can bypass that hospital completely. So much faster and less stressful on the patient. So in 2014, we started the Behavioral Health Control Committee, which was just a collaborative of all of the different entities. So physical health hospitals, behavioral health hospitals, police, fire, detox, all of the different agencies that would be kind of have a say in this process. We sat down at a table together, did some lean processing, figured out what needed to be done, how it needed to be done, and everybody got to have say in it. So it was, it's a big collaborative in that respect. The benefit for us is that we have such a great relationship, CSFD and CSPD, the police and fire in Colorado Springs. Um, that's a, a fairly unusual um, relationship. We're actually very close. We work very well together, and I know in other cities they may not be able to say the same. Be able to say the yeah. same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We won't badmouth them, but we're better than them. No, we, are, we are better than them. <laughs> it's okay. We're doing pretty unprecedented things, and I'm sure it's a model for other communities as well, right? You probably had interest from other folks saying, how did you make this work? So we've had over 20 agencies in the state of Colorado that have come and rode with us and kind of saw what we've done. Um, we've been to Vienna, Austria, and presented there. Wow. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Dallas, um, Texas both basically came out and just replicated what we do currently and so there are many places across the nation that are are doing similar types of work um, but we are one of the only ones that actually have the uh, the paramedics embedded in that process to kind of help with that um, bypassing of the emergency rooms and I know that um, Ali you were saying you still go along on the team I do um, calls and and so forth are there any that stand out or any examples that you could give us i know we have to honor patient confidentiality but just to give people an idea of what a I know there's not a typical case, but what a case would look like and, and yeah, feel like. There really is not a typical case. That's one of the um, that's one of the great things of working on this team is being able to address so many different needs in so many different ways. Um, specific cases, you know, in addition to people calling nine one one or even the non emergent police line themselves, we also have employers, family members, friends who are concerned for others who call nine one one and say, "Hey, um, such and such person has been in his home. He religiously picks up his newspaper every day. We're not entirely sure what's going on, but there are three papers outside the house, and we haven't seen him lately. Um, he was mentioning some thoughts of suicide, and we were just we just have some additional concerns. Can you go check on them? So it's almost a welfare check. In it that, is but just about a welfare okay. check with the suicidal component. Okay. So go to the client's home, knock on the door, and I can think... In the last three years, I can think of a handful of times that we have legitimately saved people's lives who were in the home near not making it and then were able to be taken to the hospital. So those are some of the more severe cases and severe or acute examples, rather. Um, But shows the importance of others calling when they're concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so 
uh, at this point, um, what happens with the program? How do you keep it going? Um, is it evolving from here? You know, what what is the future hold, or or are things going great the way so they're we are going? One hundred percent grant funded okay. right now, um, and uh, we tend to do very well in that realm, primarily because we recognize that there's a need in the city, right? And and the state also has recognized that, so the state provides certain dollars. Um, to the different municipalities across the state to be able to provide mobile services or mobile crisis services. So that's kind of primarily how we're funded. Um, But we've also recognized that we're always trying to expand our services and recognizing that if if we can get put more police and fire back in service, they can be more properly utilized elsewhere. Um, So we have three current units that are on the road, and our fourth unit will be starting October 4th. Um, and hopefully that will expand our services across the city. Right. What What are you all feeling and hearing in terms of the pandemic and the consequences on mental health? I know we can't predict that exactly, but do you all feel that you're going to get busier here or have you already? Is there a way to measure that? I can speak from the perspective of Aspen Point. Um, the pandemic has really impacted the type of services that we're able to provide and so a lot of our services are now being provided via telehealth and what I've seen with the really sick people the people who need those face-to-face services need to get out of their homes has been a spike in the number of clients who just need that extra care so if we're not able to go out into the community to see them and they're not able to come into the office to see us we are certainly seeing a spike in the number of crt calls that we're receiving the number of clients who need to be hospitalized for inpatient treatment just to be restabilized so the level of which clients are able to remain stable in the community has certainly been impacted from our perspective. Just a lot of isolation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of come in with that, but I think what we've seen across the board is not only do we see a, a little bit more bump in the volume of calls, but we're seeing a huge increase in the acuity of those calls, meaning that when we're getting there, we're finding people um, in much more acute crisis um, and are in need of sometimes more evasive types of uh, intervention from the behavioral health side. Okay. And and how about you? Can you talk from a police perspective on, you know, um, you know what it means for this for this program to exist, but then also grow, as he was talking about. So we're continually reimagining re- how we can do this because mental health is not a police issue. Mm-hmm. So to try to get the appropriate people to the appropriate calls is the best thing. So we, last year, there was about 4,700 calls for service just on suicides alone. In one year? In in 2019. So the community response team only hit about 1,100 of those. So 23% of those calls for service was hit by this unit. The rest of them were handled by police. So to get those calls for service, where it is a mental health component strictly regarding suicide, why do we send a cop when they need somebody that they can listen to them, that can understand them, somebody from Aspen Point or somebody from a mental health behavioral component? And so we're trying to do more of that. So we're looking at different options to get a mental health person there for those types of calls. And then the check the welfare was even 
harder for us to hit. We got about 14,000 calls for service and we're only hitting 12%. So only okay. about 1,700 of those That type calls. of call you were just talking about. Okay. Right. So that's so there, very common. Yeah. There's a lot of calls for service that are not getting the best practice uh, response. So we're trying to work on that and figure out how we can pair more with Aspen Point and get maybe some iPads out there so that they can do some telehealth right there in the field when the CRT team is not available. So it, it's great to hear what perfectionists you all are, that you want to keep increasing it and, and, and you know, improving. Um, but I also want to point out that we have this, so that's wonderful as well, and many communities don't at all. Um, so it's wonderful what you all are doing. Um, I think it's great, and all of your people that are out there, um, you know, doing it day in and day out. Um, what are some numbers or um, resources, websites, whatever you think is most appropriate, um, you know, for people to, to have right now who are listening? Well, Aspen Point has a direct line um, that you can call 24-7. Okay. That number is 719-572-6100. Okay. That will either get you an automated response where you can hit options and get directly to a person. When you call Aspen Point, you can request CRT services if it is... Um, a type of call that meets the criteria for such a response, then we can facilitate, Aspen Point directly can facilitate contacting CRT and getting them to your door. Okay, so sometimes the calls come in to you, but more often it's a 911 call, would you say? I would say about 90% or more of the calls that CRT take are coming in from the 911 system. Okay, I just wanted to provide people with resources in case, specifically it's one of those cases that someone wants to check on someone else or or something like that. That's a good place for them to start. Yes. Yeah, there's also the Colorado Crisis Services. You can text in. Okay. Um, So that's 1-844-493-8255 and you text TALK. And you can text people. So okay. A lot, of, a lot of the millennials and younger generation are much more comfortable in texting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that as well to get the services. And then those typically will end up getting referred to the police department eventually. And hopefully CRT can make it. As we know, they miss some of the calls because of the demand. Right. So. Right. Okay. Well, that's great. Anything else that you want people to know that I have forgotten to ask you about or that, you know, any parting words that you want to leave folks with? I think it's just really great that we're having a lot more conversations. And in the past couple months, actually, we've done many more interviews than we have historically. I think there's a lot more conversation that's happening in the community around behavioral health or just even appropriate response models. And I I think that um, the fact that we're bringing it up and talking about it more frequently benefits everyone. The big thing is removing the stigma, mm-hmm. as Lieutenant Cooper's talking about. Mental health, if you, if you break your leg, you go and you get personal, professional care. If you break your mind, it doesn't seem to be that way. So we're trying to remove that stigma. And we just want people to know that we're treating people as people, not problems to solve. We're not the bad guys. We're there to help. People call us because they want help. And that's what we do is protect. We serve people. We try to get them to where they need to go. And that's our job. And we love it. Mm-hmm. We do oh, love yeah. it. We do yeah. love it. Um, I think one of the hesitations that I have heard about from clients who call for assistance. You call with a 
a mental health need and you have two police officers, a fire truck and an ambulance that show up at your door, what I want to reiterate is with this community response team, with CRT, we arrive in an unmarked vehicle. We don't come with lights blazing and sirens roaring. Um, we're here to meet the need in a private way because these are really private concerns that people are asking for help with. That's a good point. And yeah, in a private way, in a respectful way. And that makes a difference in the in the care, right? And in the response you probably get from the patient. Right. I would assume. Okay. Well, thanks for all you're doing and thanks for being with us. And if people want more information, um, they can go to Aspen Point um, and you can find out more. And we thank you for listening to Behind the Springs.